The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 20th chapter. Jesus said, The kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, You go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right I will give you. So they went. Going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, they did the same. And about the eleventh hour he went out and found others standing, and he said to them, Why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, Because no one has hired us. He said to them, You go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, These last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first, and the first last. O Lord, have mercy on us. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Why are the workers grumbling at the end of the parable? They're grumbling because they've tuned into this built-in sense of fairness that we all have. It seems even from the time that we're little children. If you want to start a riot, a surefire way is to give one kid a treat and nothing to the others. Or ask everyone to share and then give someone a bigger portion, a bigger slice of cake or a bigger half of the cookie. Kids have an incisive sense of justice and they know when they've gotten the short end of the stick. But it's not fair, will be the outcry. You've all heard it, and you've all said it, I'm sure. And there's often no getting around it. It's true. It's not fair. Why should your brother get a bigger half of the cookie than you? That, of course, prompts every wise parent to say, life isn't fair. Get over it. And that's an important bit of wisdom that keeps you from being surprised or upset every time someone makes out better than you in life. But just knowing that life isn't fair doesn't make it any easier, even for adults, because we really believe that life should be fair. You should get what you deserve. It's all fine and well to tell kids that life isn't fair, and when you're a grown-up, maybe you don't get upset anymore when your brother gets a bigger half of the cookie. But there are times when your sensitivity to fairness gets you all bent out of shape. Take your job, for instance. When it comes to something like work, there really should be some fairness, shouldn't there? You should get paid what you deserve. 
you work for so many hours, you should get paid for so many hours. If you do better work than someone else, you should get paid more for it. What you get out of your job should equal what you put into it. And if you find yourself in a job where you're not getting out of it what you put into it, it feels profoundly unfair. And so what do you do? You grumble. And the best grumbling, of course, comes when you find out that someone is getting paid more than you for doing the same work. Maybe you wouldn't have thought it was unfair in the first place. Maybe you weren't dissatisfied with your wages at first. But when you realize that someone, your coworker, is making more than you and not working any harder and perhaps even working less, that's unfair. And so you grumble. You grumble when you think, so un- when you think things are unfair, and you grumble when you don't think that you're getting what you deserve. That's certainly the case for the workers who worked all day long in our parable. Twelve hours through the heat of the day. They were fine with their wages until they discovered that those lazy bums who only worked one hour were getting exactly the same amount. Or if you do the math, the eleventh hour workers were getting twelve times as much on an hourly basis. That is profoundly unfair. And so naturally, the workers grumbled. Can you imagine what the next day would be like? Once word gets out that this master pays a denarius for working one hour and a denarius for working 12 hours, guess who's going to be there at the crack of dawn looking for a job? No one. But come 5 p.m., that marketplace is going to be swarming with folks eager to get paid for doing next to nothing. Because everyone, absolutely everyone, is tuned in to what's fair. Everyone is so eager to get the best deal, not working harder than they have to, not getting the short end of the stick, not feeling like a fool, like you've been had. I think that probably was one of the things that was most upsetting to these workers The ones who had worked all day long felt like the master had made fools of them. He had duped them into working 12 hours when they could have only worked one. The truth is, of course, that they were fools, but not because the master duped them. He didn't hide anything from them. He gave them what he promised. They were fools because they thought they knew what this was all about. They thought that the most important thing in the world is fairness. They thought the most important thing is getting the wages they deserve. But there are a couple of problems there. The first is that we are not good judges of what we deserve. This problem is true for all of us. For one thing, our standards change all the time. Notice how it went for the workers. At first, Starting the day, they were completely content with their wages. They agreed to it because it was fair, and they were right to be content. It was a day's wage, plenty to live on, just what they needed to get by. The master wasn't scamming them or abusing them. He was upfront about what their pay would be, and they were content. But then, by the end of the parable, their minds have changed. Their standards for fairness changed as soon as it seemed like someone was getting a better deal than them. What had been completely satisfactory before now seems completely outrageous to them. All of a sudden, based on what somebody else got paid, they felt like they weren't getting what they deserved. We are not good judges 
of what we deserve because we are always making comparisons. There was a study they did once of Olympic medalists. Olympic medalists were asked how happy they were with their results, how happy they were with their performance. Obviously, the gold medalists were happiest. They felt the best about how they did and their results. But surprisingly, the bronze medalists, those who got third place, they were happier than the silver medalists, the ones who got second place. The silver medalists, it turns out, were comparing themselves to the gold medalists. And so their success was tainted by the better success of someone else. On the other hand, the bronze medalists, they were comparing themselves to everyone who didn't even make the podium. Even though they didn't win, they were happy because they made out better than most. Our perception of things is always skewed by the comparisons that we make with other people. And it's true for these workers in this parable. Their sense of fairness changes. They become discontent with their wages as soon as they think someone else has gotten a better deal and then they're not getting what they deserve. And so they grumble. But there's another problem as well. Not only are we bad judges of what we deserve, but we are not good judges of what we have already received. Our Old Testament lesson sheds some light on this problem. Exodus chapter 17 puts us almost halfway through the book of Exodus. God began by sending Moses to Egypt to free his people and lead them into the promised land. Pharaoh was stubborn, as you know, and he wouldn't let God's people go. So God stretched out his mighty arm and sent ten plagues on the land of Egypt and spared the people of Israel the final judgment of the worst plague, the death of all the firstborn of the land. At the sight of that plague, at the sound of all the cries in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh let God's people go. And as they left, they even became rich receiving gold and silver and jewels from all of their neighbors who wanted to see them gone. Of course, Pharaoh changed his mind, and he chased after the people of Israel as they made their way out into the wilderness. They were terrified as they approached the Red Sea, but God stretched out his arm again and parted the waters, letting the people cross on dry land and drowning the army of Pharaoh behind them. In the wilderness, the people quickly became thirsty and hungry. But God provided water and bread from heaven, and he took care of them. But as they moved further into the wilderness, they became thirsty again. And in today's lesson, they quarreled with Moses. They grumbled because they didn't think they were getting what they deserved. Why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst. They complained with bitter hearts, forgetting that God had rescued them from slavery by miracles, that he had made them rich at the expense of their masters, and that he had given them water and food in the wilderness before. He'd done it already. They forgot that he was taking care of them just as he had promised he would. But it wasn't enough for them. They wanted more. They thought they deserved better. And so they grumbled. But they, like the rest of us, were not good judges of what they deserved, and they were not good judges of what they had already received. They thought it was worthless 
to be free from slavery, to be God's people, to be on the way to the promised land, to have a future and a hope beyond the shackles and curse of Egypt. They thought it was garbage in comparison with what they wanted right then, which was a drop of water. The workers in the vineyard thought it was worthless, that they had been given a job and a day's wage. They thought it was garbage in comparison with what they wanted right then, which was to make out better than the folks who had only worked one hour. At the end of the parable, the master asks them, do you begrudge my generosity? Are you upset that I'm so generous, that I give people things that they don't deserve? Are you upset that I have been merciful to these lazy bums who only showed up with an hour left in the day? That is a crucial question. Because if the workers who worked all day despise the master's generosity to those 11th hour workers, it means they also despise his generosity to them. After all, he didn't have to hire them. He didn't have to call them from the marketplace into the vineyard. He didn't have to offer them a day's wage. He didn't have to pay attention to them whatsoever. But he did. And it was good. And if they had recognized that, they would have had no cause for grumbling. They would have understood that the whole arrangement was a matter of the master's good graces. If they had recognized that, then perhaps at the end of the day, instead of grumbling about their pay, they would have rejoiced at all of the work that they had done, all of the wine produced, all of the gladness of heart that came because they worked 12 hours in the vineyard during the heat of the day. They would have been grateful that even though those 11th hour workers only worked for one hour, they would have been grateful that that extra hour of work had gotten done. And they would have been glad for those workers, too, that they also could enjoy a day's wage and the generosity of the master. We all have this built-in sense of fairness from even when we are little kids. But we are not good judges of what we deserve or what we have already received. How much of our grumbling and our clamoring for getting what we deserve would disappear if we remembered that the wages of sin is death? How silly would our concern for fairness appear if we remembered that the free gift of God is eternal life? How much more joy could we have in the work that God has given us if we were grateful to receive just what he has promised us. When you find yourself grumbling, repent. Remember that everything you have is a gift from God. Everything from your life and your breath to your families and your homes and your clothing and shoes and food and drink. It's all a gift from God by his grace. It is his to do with as he pleases. And it pleases him to bless you. He gives it to you because he loves you. Remember that far beyond the blessings of this life is the promise of eternal life and salvation for those who believe, for those who have been called, for those who labor in his vineyard. There's that gift waiting for you. It's a gift from God by his grace. He gives it to you because he loves you. It's his to do with as he pleases, and it pleases him to bless you with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Remember that you have been called and that you have been called to work. 
God doesn't just call you so that you can cash your check at the end of the day. The goal is not to take your wages and go, but to remain in the service of the master, to continue to receive his generosity, to continue to rejoice in the fruit of the vineyard. God calls you to work now. He calls you to live a life of faith and love. He calls you to live according to his will, according to the Ten Commandments, wherever he has placed you in life. Many of you will see, or have already seen, the heat of the day, when the work is hard, and a life of faith and love means suffering. But whether you were called first thing in the morning, or at the sixth or ninth or eleventh hour, you've been called to work living a life of faith and love now, trusting in God's promises and rejoicing in the fruit of his vineyard. Rejoice that by your life of labor, others can see and hear the generosity of God, his promises and mercy. That generosity is what holds this whole parable, the whole gospel, in fact. It's God's generous generosity that holds it all together. It's the generosity of God that makes our thoughts about fairness completely foolish. Thank God that in the kingdom of heaven, things aren't fair. Thank God that you don't get what you deserve, that by the blood of Jesus, the balance has been tipped eternally in your favor. Thank God that while he has called you to work, you are free from scrambling and scraping, from trying to get ahead, from trying to make out better than the rest. You are free because in the kingdom of heaven, The first are last, and the last are first. Thank God that your labor in the vineyard is not in vain. That your life of faith and love is by no means wasted. That God himself gives fruitfulness, and that in abundance. Thank God for his generosity. And look forward to that day when he says to you, Well done. Enter into the joy of your master. May the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen.